at the end of the day, is your content the content that your ideal followers want to see? Not what you want to see, not what you want to create, not what you want them to want to see, but truly like what they want to see and what they want to engage with. And if it is, that's what the algorithms want. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, you are in for a treat. I am joined by the one and only Brock Johnson. You probably know who he is. He has over half a million followers over on Instagram. And basically, all he does is teach people how to grow on Instagram. I've been following him for years. His mom is Shalene Johnson. You've probably followed her for a while. If you haven't, go check her out. She has an amazing podcast. He and his mom actually have a podcast together. But Brock, I knew I liked him. But after today's episode, I just love him. He is a doll. He is a person of faith. He is so much fun and he is smart as heck. You guys are going to love today's episode. Please be sure to share this episode, especially with someone who's looking to grow on Instagram. He is the number one coach. His Insta Club Hub is the number one coaching membership to grow and learn how to monetize social media. He gives amazing tips every single day. He grew over 400,000 followers in one year on social media. Today we talk about that. We talk about all the things. You guys are going to love today's episode. Please be sure to share this episode and tag both Brock and I and make sure that he knows how grateful we are to have him over on the Decide Is Your Turn podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Okay, y'all. And it's so funny. I always start my podcast with y'all. And I just watched one of Brock Johnson's reels the other day where he said saying y'all is a bad deal. Uh, But but Brock, I'm from the South. And this is what I say all the time. So today you're going to put me in my place. I have the one and only Brock Johnson on the show, Instagram, real famous, YouTube, TikTok, all the things. And I was literally watching his reels the other day and I was like, well, fuck, I'm about to have this guy on my <laughs> podcast and I can't say y'all. <laughs> well, listen, listen, y'all, the, the honest truth is you can say y'all in your content. Um, it was really primarily when I'm referring to the Instagram stories and the reels that start with, Hey y'all, but especially a podcast a little bit different. I think the average podcast listener subconsciously knows that they're a part of an audience. They're not on an actual phone call with us right now. So I think y'all in a podcast is totally fine. I know, but you've totally ruined my whole entire Instagram story vibe, Brock. (laughs) Sorry about that. I know that's all right. It's perfect. Well, I have, I am going to take that advice and I got to switch my language because I am joined today by the one and only Brock Johnson, who is, uh, you know, he's the man when it comes to Instagram, obviously he is well connected with IG, Facebook, meta, all the things he basically helps them become better at their job. So I better (laughs) listen to the advice from the one and only Brock Johnson. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. What a what an amazing intro. That was very very sweet. I'm just I'm just a guy who posts reels. That's all I do. But yeah. I appreciate it. Well, you do a hell of a job of it. And uh, basically this started for those of you who might live under a rock and don't know who Brock is. Um you really started this only back when I was looking through your intake form. This really only started in April of 2021. That's when it blew up. So I originally started Instagram coaching, helping people with this sort of thing in 2018, maybe even 2017, but the blow up happened. The, the massive following started April 1st, 
2021 when I set a challenge for myself for the month of April only, supposedly, that's what I told myself. For the next 30 days, I'm going to post one reel per day. I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to see what happens. That was wildly successful. That was flipping awesome. And when you have success early on, it's always really easy to keep going. So I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this. And here we are now. I think I just passed the 900 day mark of consistent posting. Um, and we're still going at least one reel a day. The growth has still been awesome, but that was like really when the, when the crazy growth started, that wasn't necessarily when the business started. Okay, cool. Because yeah. you know, it's so interesting about that. I, it had been up until last October. So I'm much older than you, Brock. Are you only 24, 25? I'm 26 now. Oh, you're so 26. I'm getting okay. up there. Okay. <laughs> You have to update your bio because it says that you're 24 years old. And Ooh, I got to update that. <laughs> you got to update that. Well, I am much older than you. I'm going to be 41 next month. But when I turned 40 last year, I took three years off uh, or three weeks off my business. But prior to that on social media, I had posted mm -hmm. every single solitary day on my stories and I started doing it the exact same way. I just committed to myself that I was going to post one story per day, every single day, no matter what, never miss it. And last October was the first time in, wow. it was a little over four years that I did not post. Um, I commit, I said that I was good with it to take that three weeks off and I posted here and there, but really for four years, I did the exact same thing, but wow. The funny thing about it is mine did not go nearly as well as yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's cool. Well, okay. So in before that, you're so, so for those of you who don't know, um, you got in this, I'm assuming a little bit because of your parents and their, you know, I, I don't know if I can bring that up or I should bring that up, but your mom is Sh uh, Shalene Johnson, who has a massive um, social media presence. Obviously she's been along, she's been around for a really long time. So I'm assuming yep. you watched what your mom and dad were doing and you noticed that like, oh, wow, this can be really, really helpful. So how did you start into this social media business? Yeah. So that's a great question. Growing up, it was very much monkey see monkey do. Um, it wasn't that we sat around the dinner table and talked about business and entrepreneurship. We had a very normal family life growing up, at least normal from our perspective, yeah. of course. Um, but we didn't talk about entrepreneurship. We weren't sitting down and getting business lectures from our parents. And I say we because it was my sister and I. We watched them. We got to see the pros and cons of entrepreneurship. We got to see the awesome things like our parents never missing a game, never missing a practice, getting to drive us to school every single day, never having to um, worry about losing a job. But we also got to see like the negative things, the struggles, the late nights, the early mornings, the deadlines, the what happens when everything hits the fan and you are in charge of everything because you're the boss. Um, so we got to see all of that growing up. And growing up, I had a million different little odd businesses, odd jobs, little doing this here and there, make a couple hundred bucks, raise money for this, resell this thing. Um, and then my freshman year of college is really when I stepped into my own real business and my first real uh, income opportunity. And that was at that time, it was a course, an online course where I was teaching moms how to keep their teens safe on Snapchat. So that was my first business because at that time there was like a lot of drama on the news about what's going on with Snapchat. The messages are disappearing. You know, it's, it's a bad place where bad things are happening. What's going on with your teens? And I was like, well, I'm a teen and I understand marketing and I understand what's going on on this platform. So I could basically just teach people how to use it, teach them how to keep their kids safe. And that's what the course was. But shortly after that, I realized that Snapchat had a huge untapped marketing potential People, and this was in like 2016, had been using Instagram for marketing. People had been using Facebook for marketing. TikTok didn't exist yet. People had been using YouTube for marketing, but no one was really using Snap for marketing. And yet stories were huge and everyone was consuming Snapchat stories. So I began teaching my followers at that time who were primarily moms who I had just taught how to use Snapchat. I began teaching them how do you, you use Snapchat stories for marketing? How do you use this specific kind of content, this specific feature to market, grow your business, grow your brand and, and build a customer base? But then shortly after that, Instagram copied Snapchat with Instagram stories. And it also coincided that 
I was taking a, uh, a kind of mandatory break from my business at that time. And so when I came back, I was like, well, I'm going to go with everyone to Instagram and Instagram stories. And that's how I got into exactly what I do today, which is helping people grow their brand and make more money on Instagram. Um, that's how kind of this journey ended up here. That's so cool. Did you, and I think I probably know the answer, but did you intend for the journey to end up where you are today? No, absolutely <laughs> not. And so to kind of circle back to your previous question before this about my mom and you know her and my dad having dozens of businesses growing up and my mom having a huge social media following. I mean, she had over half a million followers on Instagram when I was in high school. Um, and I never thought that that was going to be me. I never thought that was going to be, that was never my dream. That was never my end goal for myself, but it was just kind of like, Hey, I have this skill set. I know how to do it because I've quite literally had my parents do it before me. Um, and I also knew that, Hey, if I want to build my own business, I'm going to need a, a group of people to market it to. I'm going to need a customer base and there's no better free advertising than social media. And so that's kind of where the um, impetus for posting on Instagram began and growing my Instagram began. And then I think a, a big part of it is is luck and being in the right place at the right time, knowing the right people, doing the right things, pulling the right levers. Um, and that's kind of where the viral growth, the 600K followers in a couple of years came from. That's so cool. So a couple things there. Um, you know, obviously I know that we don't know each other. You don't really know much about me, but I came from a golf background. So I played professional golf, but before that, like I came from a golf family and that's mm -hmm. what I was kind of, kind of put into was like, go play golf and your life yeah. will be amazing. And I was actually, you know, I, at little over your age, when I was like 27, I kind of had like externally, everything was awesome. Like making money, playing golf, modeling, doing all the things. But I was like really, really miserable. Do you mm. really enjoy what you do now? Or do you do it because it was just the thing to do? Or do you even know yeah. that yet? <laughs> yeah. So I flip in love what I do. Okay, cool. I It brings me so much joy. What you were just describing, that was my life, but replace the word golf with football. Oh, now, okay. I loved playing football. I enjoyed it. My dad played professionally. My uncle played professionally. My grandpa is one of the winningest high school football coaches in the history of the world. So that was who I grew up with. And, you know, to, to talk about what I was originally saying about, you know, our dinner table, we didn't talk about entrepreneurship. What we did talk about was football. That okay. was our life. That was my entire life. My dream, my passion, my end goal was to be an NFL quarterback playing on Sundays. That didn't happen for a wide variety of reasons. Um, I did love it, but ultimately that was my everything. Now I am a much more well-rounded human being. I am much uh, less of a perfectionist and a people pleaser, but all of that to say, I flip and love what I get to do. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm able to stay so consistent and kind of be like the energizer bunny who just keeps going is because I wake up every day and I, I love editing content. I love creating reels. I love scripting out podcasts and YouTube videos. Like it, it genuinely brings me a lot of joy. Um, and I think that's essential for anyone in any business in order to actually be able to sustain what they're doing long-term. Oh my gosh. You are so wise beyond your years. It took me until like your time to, for me to really understand that. But I also do feel like one of the cool things about being raised by two parents who understood the power of mindset, who understood, like you, that is really what your mom is. I don't know your dad a ton, but I, that's really what your mom is all about, right? Is like the power of the mind and motivation and like taking care of yourself and the yeah. whole holistic side of life. And I think that that's pretty amazing that you had that instilled in you because I didn't mm -hmm. have any idea that, you know, your mind created your reality. And now you're, you know, kind of like a breathing, walking billboard for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I really appreciate that by the way. Um, but I think, yeah, I was really, I had, I had parent privilege for sure. Like my parents raised me and my sister with a lot of things that I feel very fortunate looking back on. Um, of course, like we were raised comfortably, definitely, but more so like being raised by a mom and even a dad who very much believed in therapy. And yes. so being like a high school and college football player who like when things were crumbling, I could turn to therapy and I didn't just turn to violence or video games or whatever else guys do. 
um, like that, that was absolutely huge. And you said, you don't really know much about my dad. Most people don't, uh, he's more of like the CFO behind the scenes. He, he does all the numbers so that my mom can do all the videos, but, um, yeah, he, he definitely is extremely aligned with my mom on pretty much all of those things. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And what you said is a hundred percent the truth. I mean, I just, for me, I had a horrible eating disorder. Like that's where my, you know, quote unquote pain manifested into that because I was so out of alignment for my life. And so it's so cool that you, I mean, obviously you guys live in, like you don't live in California anymore though, right? We just moved two months ago, uh, born and raised in California, but over the last four years, my now wife and I, we've moved around quite a bit. And right now we live in uh, Park City, Utah. I think that's so cool. You guys were living out of a van for a while too, which is so neat. You guys are like traveling, (laughs) living life. Yeah, we do that um, every winter, actually. Well, every winter for the last two or three winters, we've lived in our Airstream trailer um, and just traveled around. We're big snowboarders, so we traveled around and snowboarded. And now we were finally like, well, hey, why don't we just actually live across the street from the ski resort? So now we live in Park City and we can uh, snowboard every day. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, I grew up snowboarding. I was like one of the youngest females ever. Like when snowboards first came out, when they were like those big, chunky Burton snowboards that were horrible, I was like one of the first people to do that. I probably haven't (laughs) touched it in like 20 years. Now that I live in Arkansas, I just, I travel (laughs) when it's to go warm, not cold. That's so cool. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, so cool. So, and I think it's amazing that you obviously have a passion for what it is that you get to do. And like, ultimately, like right now you help people grow their content to be able to make money, which is obviously like the number one goal for most people who have a social media business and presence. You know, what do you see right now as the thing that, you know, something that I really respect you for is the fact that you post a lot about social media, not being the be all end all and not letting Mm -hmm. it control your life and not making like, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people base their worth off of how many likes, how many views, how all of that shit that, really Mm -hmm. hurts people. Like, I feel like we have a really big, almost pandemic when it comes to the, the harm that this is doing. So how do you actually help people, you know, not go down that rabbit hole? Because listening to you, I have 675,000 followers. Oh, this is amazing. But you know, what about the person who, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, totally. So that is something that I actively am aware of. And on one hand, I have to speak to my own credibility and speak to what I've done because that qualifies in positions where I'm at. But I also am very aware of the challenges, the mental health side of social media. My wife went to school to be a therapist. So like within our family, we're very well versed in uh, that side of life. Um, but also I think it again, goes back to my background in sports where I had to learn myself personally in sports that I could not attach my worth to the results. The results for me in sports were throwing touchdowns and winning games. Now that I'm on social media, it's a lot easier for me to be like, yeah, my worth has nothing to do with how many likes this post got. Um, and so that's something I, I always try to reiterate to my audience is that if you draw your worth or your motivation, or your consistency, or your inspiration from those extrinsic factors that you cannot control, such as how many likes you got, how many views you got, did your post go viral, you're going to constantly be struggling. It's going to suck. Your social media is not going to be an enjoyable place, but instead, instead you can reframe things and detach from that end result and focus on finding joy in the process you're going to be able to sustain that consistency a lot more easily and a lot more enjoyably. So for myself, it's literally my desktop screensaver says find joy. I have it tattooed right here on my ribs. It's my biggest, most painful tattoo I got. It says (laughs) find joy. It's like my life's leading principles where the reason, one of the biggest reasons that I'm able to stay so consistent on Instagram is not because I have a team and I have AI helping me and I have, it's my full-time job and all these little strategies. It's that I really enjoy doing it. I wake up and I have found different areas of Instagram, not all of Instagram, but different areas of content and Instagram and social media that does fill up my cup and that does bring me joy. And that is not circumstantial or superficial or based off those end results. And so I'm able to sustain, right? I'm able to have a post that gets a third of my normal engagement, but it's like, water off a duck's back. I can just keep on trugging along and keep creating content because my focus, my joy was never sourced from those likes to begin with. Oh, so good. You know, one thing that I didn't know 
you know, really about you before I asked um, you to be on the show was the fact that your faith is a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part. You know, that's everything that I believe in. Obviously, it's the it's the main thing that keeps me going. Do you feel like you bring in your faith um, to your posting? Like, I feel like sometimes people have a hard time doing that because it's a little bit taboo. Do you bring that into your content? Yeah, I think like I, I used to bring it in a lot more. It used Did to be you? something I would literally like post about entire posts on my feed um, about my faith. Now it's it's not necessarily that I'm ashamed of it or anything like that. I just focus more on my specific niche and what I'm specifically posting about, you know, my topic on Instagram. Um, but I like to think of it as like, if it's my job to be a light or, or to be a lighthouse, I don't need to go around screaming, I'm a lighthouse. Look at me. I'm a 42 foot tall lighthouse with a beam that spins around and shines into the ocean. I don't need to say those things. I can just be the light. Like if there's a ship out on the sea, it doesn't need a lighthouse to scream. I'm a lighthouse. It just needs the lighthouse to shine the light. And so I think that the way I live my life, hopefully, um, is able to be that light. And that's kind of my goal every single day. And no means am I perfect or, or even great at it, but it's something that I'm constantly trying to think about is how can I spread that joy? How can I be that light? How can I spread that love rather than how can I um, tell people about the love that I want to spread? Or how can I tell people about the light that I believe in? Yeah, no, that's a per that's a perfect way. So anyone who's coming to you, obviously, there's I think there's a couple different stages. So what is your best advice to someone who is beginning stages of their Instagram and tick? Actually, did you just start a new TikTok? Like, is this like a purposeful strategy? I'm assuming. Okay, tell yes, me a is. little bit about this. Yeah, so it's one that um, it's from like if I was someone who was in love with the numbers. I could have never made this decision. Yes, um, I'll give you I love it. The background of what happened. So the too long don't read if anyone that mutes the podcast right now is I deleted my TikTok with 350,000 followers. Here's what happened. In 2019, I hopped on TikTok before it blew up. TikTok really blew up like because of the pandemic, everyone's yeah. at home, everyone's watching TikTok. But I got on it in January, 2019. So 15, 14 months before it really blew up in the US. And- I like to dance. I like to let my freak flag fly. I like to have fun. At that time, I was also a college football player. So I combined the two loves. And uh, especially in the early videos, it was oftentimes me and my best friend who was a fellow teammate. We would just film these little like dancing trends because that's what the early days of TikTok were. It was nothing but Charlie D'Amelio doing her dances. So we would do some dancing trends and we do them in the locker room. We do them with our football pads on. We do them after a, a, a practice in the mud and we're like dirty and, and covered in this grime. And But we're filming like ourselves twerking and doing these little dance routines in the locker room. And so those blew up. I think our first video hit like over a million. Our oh, second wow. video got like 13 million. Our third video got like 7 million. And so boom, in a matter of like five posts, my TikTok had 300,000 followers. Great, right? Here's the problem. Those followers followed me for one thing, yeah. dancing in the locker room and being goofy. And while that is a part of who I am, that is not my business. That's not my ideal follower. That's not my demographic. And also that part of my life came to an end 12 months later because the, the pandemic hit. I graduated college. I'm not playing college football. It would be really weird if I just rolled up you know, five years later and I was like, hey guys, don't mind me. I got to film some TikToks in the locker room today. Um, so- I couldn't post about that anymore, but I still had all those followers. So for a few years, I tried to fight through it. I tried to make it work, but I had 300,000 followers who didn't really care about growing on Instagram. They didn't really care about building a business online. They just wanted me to do some more twerking in my shoulder pads. Um, and so it was never going to grow. It was never really going to work, right? Um, they were never going to be interested in what I had to say or what I had to post. So I made the decision to ultimately rip off that Band-Aid not exactly delete the account, like it still exists, um, but stop using it, right? Post say, hey, you can unfollow. The first line of the bio says like, you know, don't follow this account. And I started a new account and it's been growing slow. It's not like it's been an overnight success. Um, but yeah, I decided to start that new account on TikTok and uh, it's, it wasn't the easiest decision. It took a few years to get there, but I think it was necessary. 
I think that this is so unbelievably helpful for so many people who are listening, because what Brock just said is 100% bang on, especially in like, you know, I talk about the fact that, you know, are you an influencer? Or are you a person of influence? Like, I think that there's a big difference here. And I think that, you know, Brock is a numbers guy. His posts have to go viral. He's got a big community. Like you're all about numbers. There's people that follow me that might hire me that might follow me for like a year. I don't need millions of followers or hundred thousands of followers in order to have a really successful business. And what Brock just Mm. said is he had to be willing to get rid of the people who were never going to give him a dollar. And he now may only have, I don't even know how many people are on your current TikTok, but you know, like, let's say he's got he did have 300,000 people. And how many you got on there right now? It's uh, let's pull it up real time. It is 1,672, 1,672. But guess what? One, 1,672 of those people are there because they want to grow their Instagram. And those are people who are willing to throw credit cards at him. Those are people who are willing to consume. No, but they really are. Those are people who are willing to consume your content because they are there for what you have to say. And I think so many people get so caught up in the likes, the follows, the following, and all of the things when you're really not exactly like if you're not clear on exactly why you're posting and what you're trying to get a person to do, click, follow, like, whatever, share, you are sadly mistaken. And I think it's really cool that you did that because I actually saw a ton of people do that on Instagram, probably like, I think it was last year that a lot of people were deleting their accounts, starting fresh accounts, really making sure the people that were following them were people who were going to purchase from them. So it is one of those things that if you are caught up on the numbers and that, you know, oh my God, take your breath away starting a new account. It's actually smart for business if you're if you really know the strategy that you're doing. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And like you said, I love that you you said that that uh not every business, in fact, the majority of businesses don't need a hundred thousand followers no. to be a successful business. Like you need there's like the 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 economist uh article that came out that says like a thousand true fans is what you need. Yep. Well, I got 1600 over on TikTok right now. So that's already more than enough. Um, you don't need a hundred thousand. I don't need hundreds of thousands, but as someone who teaches people how to grow, it makes sense that I have also grown myself. Um, but yeah, for, for 98, 99% of business owners, you don't need hundreds of thousands. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, y'all, it's Christina. Just jumping in here for two quick seconds to first of all, say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a subscriber or leaving us a five-star review or leaving us a comment or really thank you for copying that link and sending this episode to someone who may need it. It's how we get the podcast out. You know, there's no advertisements on this podcast and it's just how we get the message out from myself and my guests because This is really why I'm showing up each week is to help people decide it's their turn. And the second thing is I just wanted to let you know that every week I tell you, text me the word podcast or coach to 501-222-3362 or send me a message on Instagram. Both of those ways connect with me directly. And if you've ever had any questions about my one-on-one coaching, you know, on this podcast all the time, I talk about my clients and the results that they're getting. And perhaps you've thought to yourself, well, gosh, what does a coach even do? Or gosh, I need to level up and I need someone to help me get to that next level. If that's ever something that you have thought about, text me 501-222-3362. Ask me any questions. That is a direct connection to me. You guys, I show up, do this podcast pay thousands of dollars each month to produce it because I love it. I love serving my clients. I love serving you. And I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you again for listening. If you've never connected with me, send me a text 501-222-3362. Just text me the word podcast or coach. You and I will talk back and forth and I'll be able to serve you in the capacity that I can, or we'll jump on a free clarity call to see if working with a coach is something that you need to get to the next level of life or business. You guys, I'm so grateful. Thank you for listening to the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. When someone buys something from you, it's your community, right? It's your subscription. Yeah. So that's, that's the primary, the primary business. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's a lower ticket. That's something, you know what I mean? So like Brock understands what he's doing in business. And I think a lot of people who come on to social media platforms, they're not super clear on exactly what you do. And they're not super clear on what you actually need in order to create a lot of income, like know who you are and know what your purpose is. So, so for the newer people who are new to social media, what do you think are the top three things people need to be doing? I think I'm sure I could, you know, tell you what I think you're going to say, but if you're someone new to social media and you're wanting to grow your following, what would you tell those type of people? Step one is what you just said, which is identifying your niche. And it's not something mystical, magical out in the universe that you're going to discover one day. It's just something you you pick, just like a, a jacket in the closet. You just pick it, you put it on, you try it out for a couple months and see if it's a good fit. See if you enjoy wearing it. See if people are liking that you're wearing it. Step one, pick your niche. What I think way too many people do is they jump into posting and they start willy-nilly posting reels and sharing TikToks and recording podcasts, but they have no idea who they're talking to. And that's what I mean when I say niche. When I say niche, I mean, who are you talking to? Like the demographics of your ideal avatar, your ideal follower, and what are you talking to them about? So on TikTok, I had neither of those things. I had the who I was talking to was a bunch of other probably teenagers and and college students. That's the who, which that's not my who. My who is business owners and entrepreneurs and uh, creators who are building brands online. They're not 20-something-year-olds. And the what, for me, is helping people grow on social media, make money online, build a business on social media. Again, it was not who I had on TikTok because who I had on TikTok was primarily people who were into dancing and, and twerking and funny little cute trends. So step one, you got to identify your niche. You got to figure out who you're talking to. And that's bigger than Instagram. That's whether you're starting on a podcast or a TikTok or a YouTube channel or whatever. If you want to grow, it starts with niche. Step number two is once we have our niche identified, once we know who we're talking to, we need to optimize our bio so that it clearly articulates, why am I here? Like, why should someone follow you? Your bio needs to operate like a billboard. I see way too many people putting these like cliche expressions, live your best life. You know, I help you be the best you. What do those things mean? You need to clearly identify the problems that these people are having. Not, I help you live the life of your dreams, but I help women who are between the ages of 30 and 40 come up with daily outfit ideas. Boom, plain and simple. That's what they struggle with. They struggle with putting together an outfit. You need to articulate that in your bio. Can I stop you there for a second? Because yeah. I feel like one of the reasons why people do not do this, you know, I brand myself on confidence. And one of the things that I believe that stops people from doing that is they're not confident enough to own what they're an expert in. And so they try 100%. to dance around exactly what they do because they're like, well, I don't know if I can say that. And I'm like, if you don't say that, they're sure as shit not going to hire you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we all have the same feeling generally on our phones and on social media right now, which is I spend too much time on my phone. I spend too much time on social media. I follow too many people. I don't see enough posts from the people I care about. And so if I'm going to follow you, like it better be worth it. Sure. I discovered you because you made some great posts. Some real went viral. Maybe one of your friends tagged me in your post, but if I'm actually going to follow you, I need to know what I'm going to get out of your page. I need to know what makes you different from everyone else. And can you specifically solve my problem, fill my need, fill my void or my gap, whatever it may be. So that's step one. Step two is like I was saying, kind of optimizing the profile, optimizing the bio, getting it all set up correctly. That's your storefront, right? Like you can't have a storefront with sloppy mess on the ground and an off-center sign and all that stuff. Then it gets to posting. Step three is when it actually comes to posting, when it actually comes to consistency. And there's a million different strategies that some are consistently working for the last decade. Some are new in the last couple of weeks, but that's when it gets to posting. And the bottom line is there are two kinds of uh, criteria that really that you should worry about within posting, the quality of your post and the quantity of posts that you're making. If you can dial up both of those two things, it's just a numbers game. Social media and the algorithms at the end of the day, they're a numbers game. And if you can increase the quality of your posts and increase the quantity of your posts or the frequency of your consistency, then you will grow, plain and simple.
Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I actually think it's really helpful. I was talking to one of my clients the other day, and he's a speaker, does very, very well. And the difference between him and someone like an Ed Milet, now that his message is so dialed in, and every time he puts out a post, like his ideal audience 100% knows that, you know, he's speaking to them, then it's just are you willing to, whether it be yourself, whether you paid ads, whether you spend the money for team, whatever it is, you know, do you do five posts a week or are you doing 50 posts a week? Because it becomes a numbers game at that period of time. Like the big people, and I'm assuming, you know, you're one of them. The big people are putting the time, effort, energy, money, whatever it is behind making sure they're out there 500 times when the little guy is only out there five times. Exactly. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But remember the very first thing, just what Brock said, which is you have to make sure that you're speaking to the absolute exact person you need to talk to. I released a podcast today with a woman who talked about she boosts her posts. And the thing that she is so good at is she said, you know, it took me about a year, but I dialed in exactly to a T who was clicking on those posts, what really resonated with her audience. And then she spent the money. I think so many people in the beginning, you know, paid ads, they get in there themselves and they boost them and they do all the things. But that is the biggest waste of money unless you know that is exactly hitting home with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's ex exactly what I always say. Um, it, like I always say, hire an ads expert. If you don't want to devote the time to doing the research yourself or figuring it out yourself, hire an expert to do that for you. But even more so, if you're boosting posts that already are not performing well, well then you're essentially forcing people to sit down and watch a terrible movie. Like imagine like the Barbie movie. I mean, loves talking about the Barbie movie and all the marketing that went into the Barbie movie. Imagine if the Barbie movie was terrible. It wasn't, it was a great movie, but imagine if that first weekend when everyone went and saw it, it was a horrible movie. And yet they put, they continue to put all this marketing into having more people see it. It would be terrible. No one would ever go to that director's movies again. No one would ever trust that studio. No one would ever trust that marketing campaign but because it was good, well, then the, the ad dollars were worth it. But what a lot of people are doing is they have a post that doesn't do well. And then they're like, Hey, more people look at this post that already I know is a bad post. And it's, it's literally digging themselves into a deeper hole. Okay, cool. So that's the, for the people who are brand new. So what about the people who have been online for a little while, they feel like their messaging is a little bit closer to where it needs to be, but they're still not getting the reach and they're still not making the money that they want. What is your, you know, advice there? Yeah, I think that there, it's really a case by case situation. I think that you, again, you have to go back to those two things. If you have your niche clearly defined, if your profile is truly set up well, I don't want to say perfectly, but well yeah. optimized, um, you know, can you increase the quality of your post? And that doesn't just mean, you know, buy a fancy camera and a nice microphone. That means like every little bit that goes into the editing and the refining of really what makes a high quality post on social media and, or can you increase the quantity? Can you dial up the consistency or the frequency of your output so that you know, that numbers game, you can start to tip things more in your favor. But also I think that there are a lot of people, um, and this is a big conversation. We could spend an entire hour breaking down, like, should you start over or not? I think a lot of people have, let's use Instagram, for example, they've been on Instagram for eight years. They've built 4,000 followers on Instagram, um, over the course of those eight years. And they're just really struggling. They've changed their niche a few times. They've changed businesses a, a few times. They've pivoted and they're just struggling to grow. Well, likely over those eight years, those 4,000 followers are not all still active, right? Some of them had their accounts deleted. Some of them ha got hacked. Some of them are no longer on this earth. So the, those 4,000 people, it's really more like, let's say 3,500 or 3,000. Plus a lot of those people followed you eight years ago and they don't even know who you are anymore. They're not even into those same things. You pivoted a bunch of times. So like there's all of these factors that are just consistently holding you back. Like it's that many barriers between you and the the goal, which is growth. So if that's you, you might be better off starting over like we were talking about earlier. Again, like we were talking about with my TikTok, you might be better off starting fresh and having a really engaged community of 300 than a really disengaged community of 40,000. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, what do you think about all of the changes that obviously consistently happen on social media? Everyone talks about them. Everyone's using, you know, I'm shadow banned or Instagram doesn't like me and all of those kind of things, which I believe most of that is probably untrue. Um, what would you say, like, cause obviously, you know, you're in with meta and Facebook and Instagram and all the things like how, I guess it's all the exact same thing. Sorry, that sounded bad, but uh, you know what I meant? Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what is like, since everything is changing, do you see something that like really can't be, you know, quote unquote, hacked by that like what is the like is it just consistency is it just messaging what do you think are the things that people need to really concentrate on yeah so there are so many little hacks about like improving your quality making a more engaging video how to phrase your hooks those sort of things that can like nitty-gritty things that can make a small difference but at the end of the day is your content the content that your ideal followers want to see not what you want to see, not what you want to create, not what you want them to want to see, but truly like what they want to see and what they want to engage with. And if it is, that's what the algorithms want. Like it, it, it's so silly to me how there's all these like people freaking out about algorithm updates and new changes to the platform. All these social media apps for the last 15 years have been driven by the same desire. They've all had the same goal, which is they want us, the Stay users, to stay on there, spend more time on their platform so that they can sell more ads and, and charge more for ad dollars. Like no one's buying ads on MySpace nowadays, but an ad on Google or Meta's platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and threads costs a lot of money. And so they're able to charge that because we're spending time there. And so at the end of the day, if your post is making people spend more time on the platform, which is judged by either their engagement with your post, like the likes and the comments and the saves, or it's judged by straight up how much time are they looking at it for, like their view duration, how much time are they spending with your post? It's judged by those two things. And so if you're making a post that people are spending a lot of time reading, watching, consuming, and then a lot of uh, engagement and interaction, well, then the post will do well. It will be shown to more people. That's how the algorithms work. That's all the social medias want from you. And so, uh, like you said, very few people are actually shadow banned. Very few people are actually on Mark Zuckerberg's uh, do not fly list. <laughs> Most of us are just suffering from posts that aren't very good and that our audience doesn't really want to see. And so if we can improve those things and make content that our audience actually wants to see, we'll have success. When did you decide, I'm assuming you have a pretty big team? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. A, a so, decent team. I wouldn't say a huge team, but okay. um, I don't have a, Vader, a Vayner Media team, but I do yeah. have a team, yes. Okay. So when did you decide, because I think this does come down to like the mindset, you know, everything I talk about is mindset and strategy, but I do think, you know, the mindset behind it is when did you decide that you are going to create a team and use like go kind of all in on this because I believe a lot of people are still sitting on the fence. I think people are like, oh, it's not working. And the reason why it's not working is because they're not 100% all in. So when did you decide that like, okay, this shit is real. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going all in. When did you decide that and then decide to really double down like on team and ads and strategy? Yeah, before I was ready before Correct. I felt confident, before I felt confident that it was the right decision, before I felt like I could afford it. Yeah. Um, I hired my first team member when I was 19, when I started that first business, when I had that Snapchat business. Um, and I, to be honest, I didn't even really know what to have her do at first. Like I, I hired her. Um, she's awesome. And she's actually still with our company today. Wow. Um, that's so I, cool. I know like seven, eight years later, we actually had a big team meeting the other day and it fired me up that she was still on the team. First ever person I ever hired. And I, I hardly even knew what to tell her to do. So I was like, um, why don't you give me a weekly trend report on what's going on on Snapchat? Like, what are people talking about on Snapchat? I hardly knew what to even have her do. But just the fact that I was now responsible for another person's income, their own livelihood, their well-being, the fact that I now was quite literally in a leadership role and had someone who I was giving directions to, I that lit the fire under me. And that made me start increasing my output without necessarily increasing my, my time or my energy in the business. I was, I was just a lot more focused and I was getting a lot more done. And so 
in that first month after we hired Joyce, my, and this, uh, I say we, like it was yeah. just me and Joyce. That was our whole yeah. team at the time. In that month, the business made double what it made in the six months prior, which were the first six months in the business. So month seven was double the total income of months one through six. And I was like, yep, that's it. I'm sold. I'm keeping Joyce. I'm going to find more things for her to do. I'm going to have, I'm going to outsource more for her. And so that's when I doubled down. And now I have um, specifically for me and my content, we have a much bigger team within team Johnson. I work very closely. I actually work within my parents' business on a few things now. Um, But for me personally, between my wife and I, she is our CFO. So she does like all of our investments, taxes, money. She, she deals with all that stuff. So I don't have to, she's very type A so lucky I married her. Um, but besides that, I have a community manager who does my DMs and comments for me um, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to be scrolling through comments and interacting with people when I'm at the dinner table. I can have someone who that's her full-time job. I have an assistant who manages like my day-to-day, my schedule, my email inbox, that sort of thing. Um, I did recently hire an agency to help work with and kind of manage my brand partnerships. That was something that I have been doing myself, but now it's gotten to the point where um, I have a couple brand deals I'm doing every single month. And I just wanted to pass that off to a team uh, to be able to handle my partnerships for me. Um, and then I also have an editor who's awesome. I I outsourced my editing in January. So about maybe nine months ago now, she's been editing my content for me, my reels. Um, and then I also have a graphic designer who edits like my carousels and my photos, my infographics, that sort of thing. So I think all together on my social media, there's maybe five of us who have some sort of role to play. Um, and most of them have joined the team in the last year and a half or so. That's unbelievable. Good for you. So where do you like spending most of your time? Because I actually think that like one of the things that I can tell about you is you really have the, like you, you enjoy your personal life. Like it feels like you are just like for 27 years old. Oh my gosh. You really are 26 years old. You've really got your shit together. Like congratulations. Uh, Very cool. No, I know (laughs) none of us are perfect, but you really have a good head on your shoulders and it does seem that you actually love what you do. You recently married. I mean, I've been with my husband for 20 years. It's the most important thing. Hands down. No question. Um, Mm. it really does feel like you have a kind of a good grasp on like life as a whole, where do you like spending most of your time? Is it just creating content? Yes. Yes. Um, thank you very much for that. I really, really do appreciate it. I definitely don't have my shit together. Um, but yes, (laughs) that that's where I enjoy spending my time is creating content. My first thought that popped into my head when you said, uh, where do you like spending your time? My first thought was I was going to clarify on social media or outside of social media, like within business or outside of business. Um, I, feel like uh, like a year ago, maybe I was spending a lot of time on my phone, just kind of getting sucked into the doom yeah. scroll um, and, and scrolling Instagram and TikTok, but not really purposefully. Now I set a goal for myself this year to have less than five hours of screen time per day. And it's really, it's funny that I set that goal. I should have set it much lower because my real goal is like less than three hours a day. I spend yeah. less than 45 minutes a day on Instagram. The majority of my time is spent with content creation. I love getting in front of the camera, filming content, filming videos, creating content. Um, I love doing those sorts of things within the business. I love taking on leadership roles within the business. I spend very little time scrolling. If I am, it's usually like, because I'm intentionally like bored at the dentist and I'm going to scroll through TikTok for a little bit while I'm in the waiting room um, or things like that. Um, Or to specifically like do research. That's the other time that I'm scrolling is if I'm looking for trends, looking to see like what editing techniques are really popping off right now that I can incorporate into my own content. Um, but the vast majority of my day and the vast majority of my life is spent away from this thing and outside of social media. Instead, it's working on the business, um, rather than in the business it's time spent, uh, living life and doing all the actual important things besides posting reels. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you for saying that. It's so true. I mean, you just, you really have to treat it like a business. And I think that that's the best thing you can possibly do because the minute it becomes Mm -hmm. your life, it becomes no fun and miserable and you put so much pressure on it and you just want to quit and go do something else. So it's really cool that you've learned how to do that at such a young age. You do, um, do you, you have your, you have your podcast with your mom. Do you do a lot of speaking engagements? Do you like that 
aspect of the business or is it more just like the content creation? Like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> I'm very extroverted. I'm, okay. my, my mom is a introvert who uh, is outgoing. That's what she uh -huh. likes to say. She's an outgoing introvert. She can yes. turn it on. I am an extrovert through and through. Okay. Um, I don't always love networking with people, but I flip and love speaking and talking. So yeah, I do. I do a fair amount of public speaking. It's something I really enjoy doing. Um, what I don't love about public speaking is necessarily like the travel and being away from my home or being away from my pets and my family. But um, I do love being on stage. It fires me up. It brings me a lot of energy um, and it doesn't drain me. It doesn't scare me or overwhelm me. It's something I've been doing for uh, maybe seven or eight years now. And so it's something I really, really enjoy. That's so cool. Last question. Like what is next for you besides obviously doing what you do really, really well in the business? What's next for you? And then outside of the business? Yeah, I think uh, there's there's a few things here um, in the business right now. What we're doing is we're adding a lot more team members, so we're growing our business by maybe two to three times the amount of staff, wow, so that I can spend a lot less time uh, within the day to day operations in the business and a lot more time being the CEO, being a leader, and and kind of being the visionary for the next stage of the business. Um, also my wife and I are getting into more advising and investing for other like tech startups and stuff like that, uh, because we do kind of operate in this space where we can play between business owner, someone who coaches business owners and influencer, like kind of play all three roles. Um, and then also what's coming up is snowboard season. So I'm flipping fired up for this winter and getting to strap the boots on and, uh, go snowboarding probably every single morning, five days a week, this December through April. <laughs> Good for you. That's so cool. Do you have summer sports? Like what do you do in the summer? Uh, we have tons of hobbies. Uh, I would last summer was big, a, a big pickleball summer, but this oh summer my God, for everyone, I know. Right. But I was so intimidated now that we moved to park city. Cause there's, there's this like court that's not too far from our house. And there's legitimately 70 people there who are waiting in line. And I can tell they're, they're serious about their pickleball. Uh, so we didn't do too much of it this summer, but, um, we just recently adopted a new baby bird. So we're taking care of him. We got our dogs. We love being outdoors. We love hiking and, uh, traveling in our trailer and, and doing all that stuff. So, uh, we have, we are, we, our hobby is collecting hobbies. My wife and I have a lot of different, uh, things in the garage, lots of things in the garage that have, uh, been used a few times. And then we'll probably dust them off in a, in a few years when that hobby comes back around. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. You know what, you guys, this was such an informative episode. It was so nice to connect with you, Brock. I've loved following you over the years. I know that everyone probably knows you, but in case they don't, where in the world do we find you most often? Yeah. Myspace.com forward slash Brock. No, uh, Brock 11 Johnson. That's where I am across all socials. The best place to connect with me is Instagram, uh, between myself and my direct message manager, we'll get to 99% of the messages. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to shoot me a message on Brock 11 Johnson, it would be uh, greatly appreciated. Absolutely. You guys, please, please, please go follow him. He is, he's the best and share him with one person that may not be uh, living under a rock and don't, don't know Brock. So thank you so much for being here. I really, truly appreciate it. And uh, you guys don't forget, you can decide it's your turn at any moment in time. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina Laguerre. I'll see you next time. <laughs>